This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Uh, we have sort of a problem here. Good afternoon, good evening, nor good morning, and welcome to another thrilling, fun-filled, dare I say action-packed, and maybe even informative episode of the Blurring the Lines podcast. This is episode 104. 104. I am your host, Peter Nicolaitis, and as always, joining me, my co-host, Adam Bell. Hey, Peter. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Good. I am doing pretty well. Other than the fact that Mercury is in retrograde. Uh-huh. I have family drama and condo drama on two fronts going on. Um, <laughs> other than that, everything's going really well. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Mercury's not in retrograde for me as far as I can tell. Uh, it may not be having an effect for you, but last time I checked, there's a, there's a planet out there. That's, yeah. But, I don't but know. I, yeah, I'm in the Southern Hemisphere. Actually, I'm not. Right. But, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. still in North America, even though I am in the South, I am not in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, Mercury's not in retrograde. I'm in Tennessee. <laughs> Wait, hold on. What? (laughs) I drive a Chevy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so are you familiar with the the pickup truck, uh, the Rivian? Rivian. Yes. It's a, it's like a Honda. It's like, it's a, it's a foreign, right? It's not a domestic. I I guess it's, um, uh, apparently they're electric vehicles though. So, you know, electric pickup trucks. And uh, a friend of mine keeps on saying that he wants a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And I keep on telling you, okay, first off, and I'm, I'm going to keep this family friendly. I will, you know, bleep out myself all these expletives. But I was like, you work for Liberty Mutual. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's the mic drop right there. Okay. <laughs> you don't need a pickup truck or those rare occasions when you do you rent one for a day yeah the investment right (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i told him that you know a while ago that um some people leaked the uh concepts of the tesla pickup truck uh it's like here's your blanking pickup truck (laughs) yeah well now he wants to buy a a rivian now instead so i'm like yeah whatever yeah that's that's like uh having a pomeranian as a hunting dog (laughs) <laughs> i mean they're about the size and shape of rats <laughs> <laughs> yeah so do you, well since we're kind of in a slight tangent not that we had a direction anyway but have you seen the new jeep gladiator no so it is a jeep that is and it's an elongated jeep okay but it's got a truck bed yep uh i like it um my wife doesn't like it she's like that's the ugliest thing like it's a it's it's a jeep with a truck bed it looks like an el camino 
Yeah, it's like a if a if a a, a Humvee and an El Camino got together and had a and that's what happened. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I the re, I like the I would have liked to have owned a Humvee, but they're no longer manufactured. Right, and they were only manufactured for like. 15 years, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. So it was a short period. And there were three models in that 15 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, significant models. So I can't invest in a vehicle that I've only got five years of parts on it. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think they made a lot of parts as far as the, the, the American, you know, army, the military Humvee. I mean, they, those... Well, I mean, yeah, they're yeah. going to be running out of those, the, you know, the actual military grade parts. Yeah. Now, if I were going to buy a real Humvee, not a consumer version Humvee. An H2? And it, yeah, I, I would feel a lot, a lot better about owning one. But yeah, I, I like the idea of a Jeep like that with, with the, tr you know, the truck and you're going to have parts because Jeep, you know, parts are, Jeep parts. Jeep parts. Be, <laughs> I was yeah. just going to say, Jeep parts are Jeep parts. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to be around for a long time. But, you know, it's not a full-size truck. It's not a full-size engine. It's not full-size towing. You know, they'll say, well, you can pull a camper. Yes, you can. And you can have a camper push you, too. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between pulling a camper or having it push you, whether you're going up or downhill? <laughs> Yeah, it's whether you got a V8 or you got a, yeah. you got diesel torque, you got, you know, so yeah, the, those, one of those trucks would be, I think it'd be fun to own. I think that'd be a great, like, I lived in Colorado and we did lots of outdoor biking and hiking and, you know, trail riding. That would be a great vehicle right there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I'm uh, gearing up for my, let's see, 2017, 18, 19. I guess this is my third winter with my Tesla. Uh-huh. So um, now that I'm not doing my regular trips back and forth to New Hampshire, uh, you know, for work, I'm wondering, do I try again to not bother with the winter tires this year down here in Massachusetts? Uh. If I don't go north of Massachusetts, I'm probably just fine. Yeah. You know, you know it, this is, there's New England winters and then there's Boston winters and they're not really the same. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I, you know, I'm a, uh, be prepared kind of guy. Oh, yeah. so you use winter tires too? No, <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I, I use all terrain tires all year. Yeah. But don't, I mean, do they still make summer tires? Is that even a thing? I thought all, I thought all weather tires are just like that's tires. Yeah. Well, mine, like uh, I, so my truck's got uh, all terrain. It's got an, an aggressive tread, which mm -hmm. means that the, the, the tread are less linear. So they got more zigzags got in it. them for, yep. for traction. Yep. So I, a few years ago, before I bought the farm, I bought highway. <laughs> before you what? When before you... I bought the farm. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I, I didn't know I'm talking to a, <laughs> talking to a ghost here. man. <laughs> but uh, so I had put highway tires on the truck. Cause I was like, you know, the, the only time I drive in off road is through my yard to get my camper to pull it out. And I, you know, four wheel drive handles that just fine. Mm -hmm. Well, I got stuck in my creek in 
Were you up the creek? Uh, well, I was trying to get up the creek. Did you have a paddle? <laughs> <laughs> it was six inches of water, but because of Tennessee river, river rocks are, are chert and limestone and really loose and sharp, it's real easy to get stuck. And those highway tires, I could not get out of the creek. I had, so I had my youngest daughter with me and I put her in the truck and had her try to drive it out. Mm -hmm. And at one point I was like, okay, we're going to go get boards, put them under the tires and drive it out. It, but at one point I carried her on my shoulder through the Creek with the rubber boots on cause it was, it was cold you know? <laughs> and, she, and she didn't have rubber boots, but I put her in it, but I uh, went and got boards and put them underneath the truck and had her drive it out while I helped push. And she thought I was the, uh, uh, biggest genius she had ever seen because I thought of those boards. <laughs> I'm like, well, baby, I've been stuck before. <laughs> yeah, man. Speaking yeah. of boards. Yeah. So right after that, I bought all terrain tires again for my yeah. truck and now I don't get stuck in the creek. But it's amazing how how little a tire difference will make getting stuck. Mm-hmm. So. so so what what's the downside? Uh I'm assuming they those tires they wear more quickly or you know they, they are, get less gas mileage or you know what what's the downside of having aggressive treads a, a little of all of those things so they're a little louder yeah uh they are you get a little bit less gas mileage yeah. out of it because you're not running as efficiently and they are a little more expensive so okay. so all counts on all accounts but in my truck i get 14 miles to the gallon. <laughs> wow. So, so I can lose 10% and that's only 1.4 gallons, <laughs> you know, 1.4 miles. So, uh, you know, wow. the efficiency is, but you know, it's between on the highway that I get about 17. Wow. <laughs> so, so um, as we, I think we mentioned on the uh, on the show a few weeks ago, I wrapped up my contract with the hospital, mm -hmm. right? So I'm not there anymore, and uh, I have started a new role now to fill that gap. Um, still, you know, servicing my other clients and stuff, but my primary engagement these days is uh, with a new. What we're gonna have it's pretty pretty exciting. So I'll have some more news on that soon, but. In the meantime, some of the cool stuff. Mm -hmm. We've got an electric vehicle charging station there at the office. Oh, nice. And while my previous engagement with the hospital was almost 100% remote, this one is I'm on site three, four days a week. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I've pretty much stopped charging my car at home since then. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I drive in uh, so far, knock on wood, there's always been plenty of charging space available. Uh, I don't have to do it every day because it's only, you know, eight, 10 miles away from my house. Mm -hmm. So uh, I go there and I do that. And, but not like I've been spending a lot of money on, you know, because the electric charging is pretty cheap and I have the free supercharging whenever I do road trips. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it's kind of nice just knowing that I'm not spending any money at all on, on that. <laughs> pretty slick. So what is the, uh, 
what's the courtesy? I mean, what's the, between electric vehicle drivers, what's, what's proper etiquette? You pull up to a station and, and what happens? How long do you stay there after it's completed? Proper etiquette, as I understand it, is that when you are charged, you move your car. Mm -hmm. People don't always do that. Do, now, do you get notification when your car is fully charged? Like, yes. Okay. My Tesla does. I don't know about other electric vehicles. I can't speak to those, but my Tesla certainly tells me when charging starts, stops, is complete, was interrupted, any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but when you are at a Tesla charging station, not just any generic electric vehicle, but a Tesla branded charging station, uh, back in 2016, even before I bought my Tesla, uh, they instituted a policy of charging the car's owner, charging dollars uh -huh. if you stayed more than five minutes after your car was fully charged. Oh, wow. And it used to be 65 cents per minute. And then sometime last year, they changed it to a dollar per minute. <laughs> so for every minute you stay after your charging session is over, they whack you. Now, again, usually I can plan around this. It's not that big a deal, but it's not like I have free parking everywhere I go for as long as I want anymore. Yeah. And I understand the rationale, right? Because if you don't charge people, they will just leave their cars there forever and, you know, free parking. Mm -hmm. But for the first time this past weekend, um, I got a notification that my car was, that, that was high usability or high, high usage. So there were like more than four cars at this bank of eight charging stations, right? Okay. So, there were, so it was more than 50%. And I was at about like 85% charge, you know, almost finished. I was going, mm -hmm. to, going to 90. And I got a note saying, oh, high, uh, high usage or congestion or, or some such. So your charging uh, session has been uh, shortened and they ratcheted me down to 80%. Ha ha. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I'm like a few blocks away at the Best Buy across the street. And I'm like, no, I, yeah, I can't. What get the there. hell? <laughs> so that, that did not make me thrilled. You know, mm -hmm. that was not the awesome Tesla experience that I, I was expecting. So I was a little disappointed with how that turned out. Yeah. Um, but that said, uh, you know, okay, fine. Uh, I just asked my girlfriend, I said, could you do me a favor, please? And because I was in the middle of buying a, uh, a new iPad Air and uh, a keyboard and the Apple Pencil. Uh-huh. And um, so, you know, it's just like checking out, waiting for them to get the stuff. So I gave her the key and she went. And of course, by the time she got there, someone else had left. So the threat was cleared. And you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, never mind. You don't have to rush after all. It's okay. Yeah. But it was still kind of annoying. You know, yeah. so I was like, I understand. But, you know, like all of a sudden ratcheting me down to 80% charge rate, you know, like they're like, oh, that's enough. That'll clear you out sooner. I didn't really care for that. So, <laughs> well, also, it, you should get a little like heads up on this. Yeah, exactly. Because all of a sudden, I had like theoretically, I had five minutes before they started charging me. Yeah. So, frankly, I think that's probably how Elon plans on you know making the money. You know, we'll, just, <laughs> we'll just let everybody start charging. Wait till they get a certain distance away from their car because you can track their location via your the app on their smartphone. 
And then when they get far enough, just boom, crank it down and start charging them. I mean, we'll, we'll rake in the money in no time. <laughs> yeah. So as I mentioned, I was at Best Buy buying an iPad. Uh-huh. Let's hear it. Yeah. Can I see it? No, um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what happened, okay? So I like to... I like to, and, uh, and, and I do, uh, separate business from personal. Now, this is the Blurring the Lines podcast. And when you and I started it, the whole intention was to talk about how the lines between business and personal kind of blur. Okay? Mm -hmm. But when, for instance, whether it's a client or an employer or whomever assigns me a piece of work equipment, then that is a piece of work equipment. And I do my darndest not to do personal business on that piece of equipment. Right. So, for example, um, I never, like, logged into my personal email on the laptop that I had from the hospital for three years. Not, you know, not once, right? Wouldn't do mm -hmm. it. I uh, didn't install, like, VPN software on there so I could just surf the web and, you know, hide my tracks or anything like that. Right. Uh, so just didn't do, didn't do any of those things. Didn't install personal software. Didn't play games on it. Didn't, you know, none of that crap. Um, so what I would do is at the hospital, I would have like a personal laptop sitting there and it was fine. The new engagement, it's a little, high, believe it or not, a little higher security kind of thing and a little more corporate, maybe yeah. in, some way, in some ways a little less, um, uh, a little less formal or a little more formal, a little less laid back, although mm -hmm. in others, even more laid back. So, but like what I want like is I want to be able to check my personal email. And yes, I know I can do it on the phone, but sometimes, you know, phone not as efficient as full on keyboard and big screen, right? Right. So what I wanted was the ability to just check my email and not look like I was like engrossed in doing a lot of other stuff. Cause you know, when I'm there, I'm there to do my job and mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I figured an iPad would be great for that because yeah. it is a better email experience um, than just, you know, the phone. It's not really practical for a lot of like work stuff. So it's going to keep me from getting engrossed into it and getting sidetracked and doing, you know, anything other than my job. And so it's just a really nice medium for just checking email. Right. And so I checked it out mm -hmm. and, you know, given the, 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 the specs, the, the difference now between in the iPad Air and the new iPad Mini, specs are almost identical. The only difference is the size, the form factor. Okay. And you may recall, I used to have an iPad Mini. Uh, yeah. And I only sold it like sometime last year, I think, and I got like 200 bucks for it. Um, loved it. Loved the form factor. It was great, uh, but I decided that I would try to actually double whammy it, and I would want to use this device for some work as well. Right. So, at the at, you know at my new engagement, I spent a lot of time moving back and forth between meeting rooms, and I have a notebook, and so I end up generally taking a laptop and my phone and a notebook, so that I can take notes on paper. 
I used the phone for dialing in because audio on the, the, the ThinkPad that they assigned me via Zoom calls, it's often very faint. I can't always hear what's going on. So, <laughs> so I have to dial in with my phone, which has an acceptable level of volume. <laughs> so I'm carrying all these things. And I thought, well, if I had the iPad, I can do the video call on the iPad. Right. I can, it's got plenty of volume, so I can use that for the audio. And I can actually, with the Apple Pencil, write notes in something like OneNote. Mm -hmm. So let's give it a shot. So that's why I bought them. Now, as I was checking out, um, something got messed up. Now, at Best Buy, uh, I don't know if it's all Best Buys or certain Best Buys, but at this Best Buy, they have uh, an actual Apple station with an Apple employee working there. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the genius works with the geeks, yeah, I guess, the geek <laughs> squad, right? And, um, you know, so this guy, like, he understood what I wanted to do. He showed me that the penmanship, and, you know, handwriting stuff, how to use the pencil and stuff. I was like, you know, actually, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, I said, yeah, you know, I was just kind of torn between it, but the, um, the smart keyboard, you know, the form factor of the keyboards available for the Air is just a little bit better than the Minis just because it's bigger, right? Mm -hmm. little more, little, a little more typeability. So I was like, all right, I'll take the Air and um, I'll take the keyboard and they were $100 off. So, you know, there was a, plus there was a bundle discount on top of it. So I was like, yeah. So give me the, the iPad Air, give me the keyboard and give me the uh, pencil. Mm-hmm. So he brought all the stuff up and there was someone else checking out at the you know, counter at the same time. So they took all my stuff and I saw my pile of things and they stuffed it into a bag and I walked out. Got in my car, drove up to my parents' house and I'm you know, like walking my dad through how to like use the, the iPhone 7 that I got him. Um, hang on a second, I just remembered another thing I want to, before I forget here. Uh, making another add on to the uh, show notes. And um, I open up the box and I look inside the bag and it's an iPad mini and an iPad pro keyboard. Oops. So like, yeah, these two don't go together. <laughs> so we drove back to Best Buy. Uh-huh. And I said, yo guys, not what I ordered. And the return process hurt because the West Lebanon, New Hampshire Best Buy is painful. It's just, it's always hard to work there. And the guys were, they didn't understand what had happened. I was like, look, look at these two. They don't match. You know, the iPad yeah. mini is this big, the keyboard's this big. Do you see the problem here? Yeah. And so they, you know, they credited this and took this off, that and the other. And they still were going to charge me for the pencil or the keyboard twice. My girlfriend was like, wait, why does it cost more? I was like, wait, what? And I looked at it and okay, fine. So they, oh, they, yeah, we're sorry. Yeah, they were going to bill me for the keyboard, even though, because they had returned everything, but then he unreturned the keyboard, but then he added a new keyboard on to the bill. And it was just like, dude, this is, ugh. <laughs> yeah, this is ridiculously this painful. This hurts. So I took it. Um, came back home down to Massachusetts, had it for a couple of days. And the first thing I tried to was, um, you know, I'm doing the handwriting stuff. I'm like, this is good. This is more efficient than, you know, taking snapshots, even though I have a rocket book, which is pretty good for, you know, taking snapshots and importing, you know, sending your, um, your handwritten notes into various apps. Uh, it was just nicer taking that step out of it. So you can just transcribe, boom, go. Yeah. Um, but I tried to do a zoom call. 
thinking, you know, because if you do like a FaceTime call, you can put you can put the FaceTime in the background and still have the video so you can see the, the other person in a small postage stamp window. Right? Yeah. They can still see you. <laughs> yeah, you're not, I you're shaking your head no because you also use Zoom. <laughs> I also use Zoom. Yes, and you have an it. iPad. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. <laughs> no, you want so, it on your phone. And yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden I'm like, great. So I can't really do what I was hoping to do. And then every now and then I actually do need to have the laptop to like do some real work in the call. Mm -hmm. you know, someone wants to show me this spreadsheet and then, you know, actually start working and modifying it. And the process of opening like uh, office documents and stuff on the iPad, it's not a great experience. Yeah. You know, managing like files from different locations. It's not like Google Drive or Google Sheets or Docs, right? Where they oh, live no. in the cloud and it's done, but saving stuff to like a OneDrive uh, you know, SharePoint or a local file share or something. It's just clunky comparatively speaking. Yeah. So, you know, and you can't iPad find is, it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And sometimes even though you save it in, in OneDrive, it doesn't show up there for some time or you save something in OneDrive and it is indeed there, but it doesn't show up in the iOS app as being yeah. available as like, this is not going to work. Yeah. So I was like, ah, this, this is kind of painful. So um, I took my new team or half of my new team. One of them was uh, visiting because uh, he works uh, remotely. And um, I took them all out for beers and dinner on Wednesday night. And he wanted to stop by Micro Center. Uh -huh. And so we did stop by Micro Center and he was looking around, looking around. And while I was there just poking around, um, you know, one of my team was looking at a new laptop and I went through the Microsoft area and I saw the Surface Go. Uh -huh. Essentially the same size as an iPad. It's a 10 inch laptop. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, how horribly slow and clunky is this thing? It was snappy, you know, cute fast the form factor is great so, you know it's like ipad size and it's a full-on copy of windows 10 uh -huh. so there's really nothing i can't do on it right so as far as work capabilities goes this is pretty good and it was like it was a little cheaper than the ipad air that i had bought now granted the ipad i got the 256 gig version right this was only um i think this one had 128 gigs uh, ssd and yeah. eight gigs of ram but i was still i was like you know what? It's pretty snappy. And for, for just what I want to do is essentially be able to just like pop in and check some email, maybe edit a text file. That was the other thing too. It's like, I was trying to edit a text file on my iPad. <laughs> I was trying to pull down, um, I had generated an open VPN certificate on my open VPN server, which is a Linux box. It's just a text file. I just wanted to get that text file <laughs> from my Linux box to my iPad. <sighs> I just I want to like, open a file. I spent like half an hour messing around trying to get the darn thing. Now, first you might say, well, why didn't you just email it to yourself? Well, my open VPN server is locked down, so it doesn't send email. Mm -hmm. It only sends VPN traffic to and from, that's all. So I couldn't do that. Plus I don't have a mail client installed on the mail server, you know, so. 
so I fiddle around, fiddle around, finally found a text editing program on the Mac that was able to save a file as a different file name, .ovpn, and finally get it to import into the OPS, you know, OpenVPN GUI uh, program on the iPad. Whereas, like, I literally turned, you know, 30 degrees to my MacBook Air, copied, paste, saved as, and boom, there's the file. That's what I needed. Yeah. So it's just like, this is not the last time this is going to happen. I'm going to want something, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's just a couple of minutes and it should really be really simple. But so I decided now I've got to take the iPad Air back. And so while we were standing there in Micro Center, I said, you know what? <laughs> I'll take one of these. So I bought the Surface Pro Go and the keyboard. Uh-huh. Great. And then I remembered, okay, let's be realistic. If I really just want to be able to just check email and maybe do a remote <laughs> desktop back to my home system, I do have an old Surface Pro 4 uh-huh. and a first generation Surface Book. So yeah, it's like four years old now and it's got an i5 processor. And when you first boot it up because of all the updates and the antivirus updates and stuff that is lagging, it drags for a while. And then it's perfectly usable. <laughs> so unfortunately, I didn't even open the Surface Go. <laughs> I just <laughs> You didn't even try. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so last night, I just drove back to Micro Center, or two nights ago, just drove back to Micro Center. I'm like, yep, no, sorry. You know, just it was a full spy. Don't really need it. Bring it back. Went back to Best Buy. Dropped it off there too, and you know, mm-hmm. no, no problem. The you know, open box, not a problem. They took it back, and uh, it wasn't a, a huge thing. But yeah, I do want to make all of our listeners aware of um, Best Buy's free 14-day loan policy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I've had I've had multiple compatibility issues like you described with the iPad because I tr- I. I try to run with it as my primary device. Mm-hmm. But if I've got to put my technician hat on, if I can, if I can only wear the CEO hat yep. and, the, and the salesman hat and, yep. uh, you know, the, the bookkeeper hat, I'm yep. good. But if I've got to wear the tech hat for anything, I'm kind of hosed in, in the iPad. Uh, IT glue which is my documentation portal. It's completely web-based. Mm-hmm. But if I try to add a password, whatever happens in the web GUI, I cannot enter a password. I can mm-hmm. read passwords, I can copy and paste passwords, but even in des- there's no desktop mode that'll make it work. There's no mm-hmm. Chrome version, there's no Safari version, there's <laughs> nothing will make it work other than opening it up on a Windows computer <laughs> in either one of those browsers or a Mac for that matter. It works fine yeah. on my Mac, but it will not work in that, that iPad. And like you said, text documents, I want to download a PDF yeah. and I want to send it via DocuSign for yeah. a contract. I've downloaded the PDF. I cannot attach it to DocuSign. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do an open with and, and send it over to DocuSign? <laughs> <Yeah>. <sighs> You should be able to. Well, I have figured out ways to make it work now, and yeah. there are there are ways to make it work. But when I was initially starting it, I wanted to be able to do like my sales job, 
being able to go into a client office, filling out the contract on site, and then s- submitting it to DocuSign while I'm sitting there with them. Right. Let's do it, right? Yeah. Do it and, right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to figure out that process, but it wasn't it wasn't easy. It wasn't. That's the, that's the thing. Some things on the iPad are are really easy, and it you know just makes it a better experience. Mm-hmm. But if you have an existing workflow built around Windows or even a Mac, it's yeah. like learning a new language, and mm-hmm. it's just not that efficient. You know, it it really slows you down. So, well, and I was trying to build a spreadsheet, just a calculating spreadsheet in the mm-hmm. airport. And I couldn't copy and paste efficiently without making a formula start. And I was like, no, yes, I want to not. copy. I, I want to copy this cell and place it here. I don't want a formula from that cell, which it did happen to be a formula, but I wanted to copy that. And pay, uh. I've, I've encountered that, that phenomenon <laughs> as well. But yeah, so I, <sighs> I've, got, I've, got my, I've got the iPad 11 Pro. Yep. I like it a ton for, yep. for what I use it for. I like it. And I, you know, I, I'll keep using it, yep. but I've got to buy a laptop for when I travel and I've got to have 100% functionality. I've got to have a laptop. Yep. Yeah. And now I'm, there are people like, I wish my dad would just use an iPad. Right. Yeah. I got him. I think the next best thing, which is a um, Linux desktop. Mm-hmm. Right, he's running Ubuntu Budgie, which I, I, I like just because the name is kind of cute, <laughs> Budgie. Um, but uh, you know, there are sometimes when I just wish he just just had a laptop, uh, an iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that note, I am gradually moving forward with my plan to just have all my machines, all my devices connected via a VPN, as we discussed uh-huh. in the past. Mm-hmm. So I do have an Open VPN. AWS instance, mm-hmm. and uh, my personal devices, I have the OpenVPN client connected on all of them, and I'm about to install it on my father's machine also. So as soon as he connects on the internet, he's on my VPN. I can SSH directly to his box. If I want to like copy files to and from it, I can do it and not have to use like another third-party remote control software, nice. which I have been using, but every now and then, it seems to just not remember that my dad's computer is on and <laughs> tells me that it's not. And, yeah. and you know, I, like, I can't connect to it, even though I walk up to it and like, no, it's on, it's right there. The agent says it's running. So, yeah. um, you know, so some stuff it's just, you know, you can do through things like log me in and go to my PC and stuff. But mm-hmm. if you're native to like being able to SSH and, you know, just connect to something as if it's on the LAN with you, albeit much slower on my dad's DSL connection, which is horrible. <laughs> um, it's just nice having that capability of what you're used to and just being able to just like bang, just, you know, do something, bang out a quick task and mm-hmm. you know, just have it work. So, so uh, yeah, so that's kind of cool. So I've got a nice little open VPN hub in AWS. <clears throat> the one downside I've noticed though, is that the VPN seems to have a max throughput of around 30 megabits per second. And because I, I, when I do a speed test at the office at the new gig, I get like a hundred meg, you know, hundred megabit per second connection. Uh huh. But when I connect up, you know, via VPN, it drops to by about, you know, uh, to about a quarter of the normal you know, performance. So, 
I wonder if that's the overhead or Microsoft or uh, Amazon does that. I think it's probably an AWS thing. I haven't looked at what the bandwidth limits are and stuff, but I mean, for what I'm doing, it generally doesn't really matter. You know, yeah. 30 megs is generally plenty. So, because usually again at the office, I'm just, you know, checking email or, you know, using my, my iPhone. Yeah. Um, 30 but, megs is decent yeah. bandwidth. <laughs> but I might start like, and, and the thing is too, is at home behind my Sophos firewall, I've been having similar performance. It definitely, definitely has been slowing things down a little bit on the wireless, mm-hmm. but I may also be up for a new wireless infrastructure at home at some point soon. Cause I'm still running the old uh, Sophos AP fifties, which are ABG. <laughs> uh, so it's not an 802.11 N wireless. No so, AC, no N. Yeah. Yeah, so I figure if I threw an N in here, I would probably, you know, notice a significant speed bump. Mm-hmm. So at that point, then I might start to get bothered by the uh, the slowness uh, imposed by the VPN as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Whew. All right, I've been talking for a long time. <laughs> Let you go. <laughs> Let me go. Uh, I don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Moving on <laughs> no, so, <laughs> I do have a, 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 a support phone call in 10 minutes though. All right. Excellent. <laughs> I have a support call. I need also uh, to talk with someone at Microsoft. Oh yeah. Because I have my main desktop. Oh, that's a, a few weeks ago. My main desktop kind of uh, died. My windows machine would not boot. Okay. And uh, it was complaining. Basically, just, you know, the Windows splash screen came up. Mm -hmm. And that's as far as it ever went. Yeah. And I don't know if that happened after a power event, after a failed Windows update, or what. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to try making Linux my main desktop again. Mm -hmm. Because why not? Well, because most of my files are now in OneDrive and a lot of my workflow still runs around Microsoft Office and Evernote. And those just don't really work all that good on Linux. Evernote doesn't work on? It's the web version or you have to run it in Wine or some kind of emulator. Okay. It's just not the same. And I tried in, in Wine and it was crashing constantly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, if I have to end up spending 80, 80% of my time in a Windows virtual machine, why am I doing this? <laughs> doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I scrapped that idea. But um, before I did that, uh, I yanked the old hard drive that was no longer booting mm-hmm. and replaced it with a bigger, faster SSD. Uh-huh. And while I was at it, I figured I also threw some extra RAM in it because I figured, well, if I do a Linux box, I'll have, I need extra RAM so I can run one or two virtual machines as there well. Well, so as a result now, I have a brand spanking new Windows 10 install. And <laughs> admittedly, you know, it's still got an older i5 processor because this machine uh-huh. is four or five years old. Um, but still giving it, a, you know, doubling the RAM and giving it a faster drive, yeah, it, it's a noticeable speed bump there as well. So that was my plan is essentially if I needed a real, you know, to do any real quote unquote work, I could just RDP back into this machine. Mm -hmm. Well, before the machine died, Outlook was not connecting to my Office 365 account. And I played with it, played with it, did all the normal Microsoft troubleshooting steps, couldn't get it to work. I know the account is working fine because I'm checking email 
I can check email on the machine, I can authorize Office apps, I can run Outlook on my other computers just fine in the same place, right? Uh, so I open a support ticket. So they're supposed to get back to me maybe today. I have to call and talk with Microsoft support because I just cannot configure Outlook on this. And they're like, well, maybe you should reinstall Office. I'm like, dude, I reinstalled the entire operating system. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. You know, mm -hmm. like, why is this machine giving such a problem if I can configure Outlook on another computer here on the same network? It doesn't make sense. It's got a frozen piece of RAM. But I upgraded it and yanked out all the RAM. It, it was holding and it, it came through <laughs> the motherboard. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be it that's got to be clear it. the cmos uh, i mean because yeah, yeah, clear like, the cmos then oh uh, why didn't i yeah. think of that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's what i'm kind of facing here which is kind of annoying mm -hmm. um so uh yeah anyway they're they're supposed to help me with that but yeah that's that's my support call so i haven't um, so. used outlook as a client in 11 years yeah, you know, I wish I could say that, but at my last two engagements, both at the hospital and at this new um, new location, Outlook is the standard. Can you get OWA? I can, um, but there's some stuff that, believe it or not, Outlook even does better than OWA. <laughs> um, you know, handling filtering rules and, you know, like if I need to like batch select and delete 100 messages at a time, you know, so. Other than that, Outlook blows. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've just, all the functionality that, I mean, there is additional functionality in Outlook, but I'm able to do everything I want to do in the Gmail portal. Yeah. If, if I can't do it, um, I can't do it. I'm not currently missing it. Yeah. I mean, and Outlook, uh, OWA has gotten a lot better, but it's mm -hmm. still no Gmail. Like I use Gmail as my primary email interface, you know, both for Paradigm and, uh, you know, and still for my, my personal uh, for a long time. And I would experiment every now and then with a new email client, but I always for something end up going back to Gmail. Mm -hmm. It's just faster and, and it, you know, it's perfectly acceptable, perfectly serviceable, you know, great email client and way better than Outlook. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 It's great. I love it. The, uh, so to my support call that I've got to hop on here in a few minutes is with Veeam. Uh, ah, so, okay. Yep, I know. so what I'm working... Backups and stuff, right? Yeah, for backups. So what I'm working on is a solution for backing up Veeam backups into Microsoft Azure. So in the event that I need to spin the computer up, it's already in Azure. But it's going to be sitting in cold storage. Got so it. that it's supposed to be for the long-term archive of cold images that you may or may not ever need. Right. But it's nice to have them. Got it. So <laughs> Amazon, I don't think, like Amazon, I have a bunch of images that are just sitting around of you mm -hmm. know, like EC2 instances. I don't think I get charged for those. They're just sitting there just waiting. And I don't think I, that I've ever seen a charge unless I actually spin them up. Mm -hmm. Well, these servers aren't in Azure. They're physical backups. Okay. Got it, mm -hmm. got it, got it. I thought you were just describing hot standbys in the Azure cloud. Now I understand. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, disaster recovery for for client systems. Gotcha, gotcha. So I'm cool. really wanting that solution to to work out, and and it and it will. It's got the capability. I just don't understand all the parameters of it. You know, I've I've read the documentation, I've watched videos, but I really want to talk to somebody. Like, okay. Okay, what does this mean here? What if I do this? Because for real, because you can read documentation, but you can't say, okay, so if I turn this knob from one to two, what happens? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, what really happens? I want to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. that's that's where I am now. Is I need to understand yep. what's happening. Yep. So that I can make it now do the the tweaks that I want it to do. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good to understand what's happening like that. Yeah, get an yeah. understanding so cool so you, well i think uh i moved i kicked a bunch of topics down so. to the next week yeah. yeah uh what about nifty nifty so let's let's use a nifty uh let's go with uh tweet delete okay so tweet deleter is it tweet deleter or tweet delete i forget now <laughs> tweet delete.net <laughs> Um, I just used it again, and there are a number of services out there that let you delete your old tweets. And um, you may have reasons to do this. Uh, for example, was it uh, Peter Gunn, the producer of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? Uh, uh-huh. Someone, about a year or more ago, went back and looked at some of his old tweets from 10 years ago where apparently he posted some anti, either anti-Semitic or homophobic tweets. And as a result, Disney canned him. <laughs> and um, then apparently they thought better of it and wanted to hire him back, but he was engaged with a movie for DC at the time. So <laughs> I, anyway, but the thing is like, this stuff was out there in public yeah, for years. And no one said anything. And then someone decided to just dig through his old crap and, you know, like, like get him ousted for this. Now, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say that, you know, he should or should not have said what he said. I don't know exactly what he said. I never actually saw the tweets. But um, just a nice little bit of social media hygiene. Is <laughs> I started a practice recently of just going through and just deleting my old tweets. Uh-huh. Right. So, you know, if you're going for a job interview, if you don't have anything, you know, out there, then nothing's going to show up. Right. And mm-hmm. it's just easier not having to, even if it's what you said was perfectly innocent, some people can find a way to interpret it. Otherwise, trust me. <laughs> yeah. So I decided just to like every few weeks, I would just go through and clear everything older than a couple of weeks. And I mm-hmm. did make a backup the first time I did it. So I backed up like 12 years of Twitter data, and um, which was a lot smaller than my 10 or so years of Facebook data that I had before I deleted that. <laughs> but uh, I noticed that the last time yesterday when I signed into tweet delete and it's tweet delete.net, mm-hmm. um, they appeared to offer me the option to do it automatically every two weeks. And the last time I had logged in, I thought that was a paid premium subscription feature. But apparently it seemed, it said, do you want to do this once or automatically? I was like, yeah, automatically. So theoretically, every couple of weeks now, my tweets will just get trashed. And, you know, there you go. Now, am I still going to be, you know, like 
considerate and mindful of what I post on Twitter. Hopefully. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to rely on that, but you know, to a casual observer, then, you know, my, my, my tweets will not be as permanent as they otherwise may have been. Yeah. So. Well, and, and to some degree, anything posted on the internet is semi-permanent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but this is a simple method of making it somewhat less accessible. Yeah. You know? If it's, it, it, you, those tweets could be found if they were important enough to be found. Mm hmm. Eventually, you know, but eventually, perhaps. Eventually, perhaps. And as time goes on, those bits and bytes will turn from ones to zeros one yes. way or another. They'll become harder to find. Yeah. <laughs> so that, you know, if you're going for a job interview or so, and the, uh, you know, the company that's trying to search you, they'll have only a limited window in which to con conduct their investigation. Yeah. So just like a lock pick rating, you know, mm -hmm. the lock has a, you know, we'll keep a guy, a, bur a determined burglar out for an hour and they've only got half an hour to break in. Yeah. Good. <laughs> All those, you know, when you're, when you're working for Cisco Meraki and they go back to look at all your posts on Sophos, how awesome it was, you know, they will be, <laughs> they will be gone. <laughs> Bingo. Well, on that note, I think you should take us out. All right. We do want your feedback. We would, if you would like to discuss a particular topic, you can drop us a line at www.blurringthelinespodcast.com. Uh, I think it's been a while since we've had to respond to some feedback. So send us a, send us something. If yeah, it's good. we haven't had some feedback for a while. We're overdue. Yeah. I'm talking to you, listener. Why have you not sent us any feedback? Yeah. Yeah. We've got a form. It doesn't cost anything. It's free. It's a free form. Where is that form, Adam? It is at www.blurringthelinespodcast.com. And I believe it's contact us. Well, then, yeah, you heard him, listener. Contact us. <laughs> All right. Well, and on that note, I think it's time to hit big the big red button. Red button. <laughs> <laughs> to contact either us or our guests, visit BlurringTheLinesPodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.